That's the dubstep remix that will be coming soon. Yeah, just discussing a possible remix of the theme tune. So yeah, Hello, I listeners. I don't know about soon. I do not know about soon. As soon as we all learn how to be electronic music producers from yes. scratch, I think. I'm sure there's like a WikiHow article. Yeah, a YouTube vid. Maybe there's a listener who knows how. Yeah. If you want to remix our theme tune. Oh, do get in touch. Feel, that feel would be free. excellent. Yeah, just send it to... What's the email, Steve? Elderschamber at gmail.com. Or Instagram us at Elders Chamber, or Twitter at Elders Chamber. Mm-hmm. And anyway, welcome to the chamber. Yes. We're all in it now. Yes. Deep. We're all here. Deep. We're all in for it. Order! Order! Order in the chamber! Sorry, oh, sorry John. <laughs> should we not discuss politics? We shall, we shall do a wide swerve away. Yes. Definitely. Um, Although, can we avoid them with our topics? Yeah. Mm, kind of, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. Steve, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I might get political. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what my topic is. So. You'll find out why that's funny, listeners, when he reveals his topic later. I've done a classic oh, no. Steve thing. Oh, I've no. forgotten to get the die ready. Oh no! Oh, the die of power. We are useless without our die. Yes. For without it, we lack direction. So, episode seven is it? Season two? Yes, we're on episode seven. It's pretty great. I I know. I'm enjoying it. Lucky seven. Yeah. What have you two got to say for yourselves? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me, nearly. I, some older boys made me do it. <laughs> Did you guys hear what happened last night at the WWE Hall of Fame? No. Did oh, was there some sort of oh man fuck up? So Bret Hart, uh, you know, legendary wrestler slash frail old man now in his 60s, yeah. stroke survivor, cancer did, survivor. Did he return to the ring or something? No, 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 no. The Hall of Fame's just like, you know, a ceremony where they induct yeah. people into the Hall of Fame. Like Donald speeches. Trump. Yes, Donald Trump no, is no, in the WWE Hall of Fame. No, no, we're not getting political. Yes, we're not. Bad. But anyway, Bret Hart's getting inducted for the second time, this time as part of the tag team, the Hart Foundation, with uh, the late Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who's... The Anvil. Yeah, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Yeah. Uh, he was a big, heavy dude. Does he take a pound in? That's what anvils do, right? You wouldn't say that to his face. But that's the point of the anvil. I don't mean like he loses. I mean like <laughs> he can take. We are talking about a dead man. I, I mean like he can t- could take the punch. I know. And, and, I, I and not give a fuck. I take your point. Yeah. I take your point. Uh, but yeah, I don't think anyone ever said that to him because he was a scary man and he yeah. would have ripped him in two. But anyway. Jim's uh, daughter is there with Bret Hart while he's doing his speech. It's all very touching, you know, like a tribute to the recently deceased guy. Yeah. And some maniac rushes the barricade into the ring and tackles Bret Hart. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. And he's wearing a Rasta hat. Oh, shit. Yeah. And fake dreads. And, uh, yeah, he quickly got swarmed by everyone in the ring and ringside. Of all the places to try and, like, tackle someone. So so were people not sure if it was, like... A wrestling thing kicking. No, they they were sure it definitely wasn't because Bret I mean, Hart. I mean, like the fans. Yeah, no, because they don't do that kind of stuff at the Hall of Fame, and they do not do it with like Bret Hart, who's like you know. Not... So it was basically just an assault on an old. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. The guy's been charged with like two counts of assault now. Yeah. But uh, there's a great video uh, of them being led away, and Dash Wilder of the tag team, the Revival, gets a really good fucking punch in. <laughs> hmm. Yes. And then there's struts off. But yeah, that's Vigilante a crazy thing that happened justice. last night wrestling so is that live on tv yeah but they like cut out when it happened they like cut to the audience yeah what hogs going (gasps) yeah basically everyone getting their phones out yeah so obviously there's all that footage yeah yeah they might as well just broadcast it but yeah but they didn't want to i mean what if something extra what if he'd been really really badly hurt you wouldn't yeah Yeah. Mm. poor brat poor brett indeed if you're listening brett hart i'm sure you're not but uh (laughs) get well soon yeah get Get well well soon yeah We'll tag you love in this episode. Chamber. Yeah, love from the chamber. Love you, Bret Hart. Should we dabble on, though? Let's mosey on down you, the road of wisdom. Have you lost the die again? Yeah, where have I put it? I'm sure it has a life of its own. It's a wily die. That's where I just put it on the side. I saw you get it. Move around a bit. And then you had it. Oh. Was it revealed? Well, you sat on it. Just kind of came out of nowhere, then, didn't it? What? Wait, you found uh, it? You have found it? It yeah, just yeah. sort of popped out of nowhere. Literally, it, just... It landed on uh, three. Okay, that's Joe. It's Joe, then. Yeah. Okay, that's spooky. Unless, yeah. 
That's really. Let's just um, move past that. There may or may not be a poltergeist in the chamber. <laughs> if we have to get the chamber, you know, excised again. Oh, not again. It costs so much money. Oh, God. Yeah, and Hugh's never been the same. No. Mm. Okay, anyway. Uh, my topic is uh, poker. Mm-hmm. Who sent me this? Was it you, Steve? Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. Why? 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 I always I like believe, to ask why. Uh, well, we've, we've had, like, intermittently had poker nights yes. over the last couple of years. We do. We've had a few. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the history of it is in a way and what yeah. you know what tactics there are how you know it's perceived oh, i didn't really get into the tactics Ooh. side of it it's more it's more history but like you know like i'm not very good at poker no i'll be the first to admit before i get into the beef of the subject i'm, I'm just going to talk about like you know i'm i get overzealous i think oh yes i can bluff these mothers <laughs> but like we're at the level where like Obviously, none of us are pro players. None of us are, like, really looking yeah. for tells or anything like that. So I'm, like, going, like, yeah, I'll do a big bluff and, like, you know, put all these chips in, even though I've got, like, a three and a five or something. Yeah. And then, obviously, I lose because I'm not convincing anyone. Everyone else is just like, yeah, yeah, sure. I've got a jack <laughs> uh, and a queen. Yeah, I'll go. That's the trick is, like... Finding the balance. Finding the balance, but finding out, like, when when you can bluffing when you can't you know all that all mm. that stuff yeah you're better at poker than i am i don't know i just i just try not to bluff because i don't think i'm good enough at it at this stage so i'm like well, bluffing just, yourself yeah if i just don't bluff then or maybe like one per game because... well you know no when it's one-on-one and you want to like say you know. yeah yeah then then maybe there are different tactics that, anyway. that's I've the been... interesting bit of poker isn't it the yeah Oh Psychological yeah, aspect I've been watching it. a lot of poker this past week in mm. preparation for this, yeah. and it's really interesting to watch. Surprisingly entertaining it's to watch. It's really on TV. entertaining to watch, especially yeah. like you know the kind of personalities of the players and stuff, and like little chit chat. It's just fun. It's just fun and exciting, and like the stakes are always high. Some of the big buy-ins and stuff. Oh in man, in the televised games, yeah, stuff like you know, the pots get over like two million and stuff. It's yeah. nuts. But anyway. I'll get into the meat of it now. Uh, poker, it's a family of card games. There's lots of variations of it. Yeah. Probably the best known one is Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. but of course there's like, you know, the stud poker. There's a uh, there's all sorts of different kinds of pokers. Uh, there's flop games, so something mm-hmm. like Texas Hold'em, or there's another one called Omaha. And then there's draw games. The difference being in a flop game, like some of the cards are left as a surprise. After yeah. you've made the initial bet in a draw game, you have your entire hand from the go. Uh, okay. Yeah. And for anyone who's never played poker and never watched poker and doesn't know what poker is, basically, uh, and I'll talk just mainly about Texas Hold'em here, uh, you get two cards each in Texas Hold'em, and then there's five cards in the middle, and you have to make with the two cards that you have in your hand the best group of five cards uh, including the five in the middle and the two in your hand. It's really hard to explain. I'm not doing so you basically you got there's a set number of like game winning hands, so the mm. worst one being a pair. Well the worst one being a high card, so just having the highest card. Yeah. Then a pair going on and on up until you get to a straight flush, which is having a royal straight flush. Which is where five it's, cards yeah, is it a in, ten in an jack order. Ten jack, queen, yeah. king, ace and of the same suit mm-hmm. as well. That's like the unbeatable hand, pretty much. But yeah, you've got two in your hand and the five on the deck, so you've got seven cards to use to make the best five-card hand. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a great game. It combines gambling strategy and skill. Mm. And the heart of it is betting, of course. It's all based around betting, you know. And uh, what makes it so different from, like, any other sort of televised thing... uh, televised game you of course you wouldn't call it a sport it's a mind game yeah uh but like the betting is intrinsic in it you know the the reason the stakes are high aren't you know particularly for a championship or getting the trophy or whatever it's because you're putting in like you know a million dollars yeah. in one hand yeah. or whatever Sometimes it's also it... quite a visual game yeah i think with the cards and the chips and yeah definitely definitely well you know why uh why chips are a thing Mm, why to sort of make the idea of how much money there is more abstract so people were yeah 
more willing to put in more money. Yeah, so they're actually handing over the notes. Yeah, it's a, yeah, which is you know cleverer of the evil casino people. Yeah, <laughs> and the proper high stakes game where they don't have the chips like the circular ones have like it's almost looks like a little metal box that are like five hundred thousands and stuff. Really? Yeah, like turns up to like uh, square or. Yeah, like, yeah, I've seen those before. I think that I think I've seen that in like a James Bond movie. Mm, like it yeah. gets out like a rectangle and it's like a. 500 grand chip or something yeah but yeah anyway um so it's thought to have developed by some in like uh early 1800s usa uh derived from some claim a persian game called asnaz asnaz i like that Mm. but uh, others claim it's derived from a a french game called uh poke which is sort of where yeah. the word comes from as well. Yeah. And I, I think I read somewhere that that French uh, word for that game, poke, derives from like a German word for another game. And the German word it derives from means like to brag or to lie or something. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's where the word comes from. But some say it was developed even earlier, poker, as a game. Some say it was like in the early 1700s, the early to mid 1700s. And, uh, you know, by 1800, it was, like, massive in the Mississippi River yeah. and stuff like that. Um, later on than that, there were the famous Mississippi River gamblers who would, like, just be on the boats of all the tourists down the Mississippi River, yeah. basically, like, Hustling. sharking them, yeah. yeah. Going, like, oh, I'll play your hand, stranger. And then, like, they'd eventually be winning this other person's house or farm and stuff like that. Yeah. But that was a lot later than this. Uh, it got really big in the Civil War poker, like lots of different mm-hmm. style, uh, lots of different variations. A really popular one was only with, played with a 20 deck. Okay. Uh, the French 52 deck, which of course is now the standard and the standard for basically all card games. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. Um, came in and got popular a little bit later. Uh, in the Old West, Ooh. it was huge. You know, yeah. and uh, it's it, almost a stereotype, isn't it? In like a saloon, yeah, 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 poker game going on, and like uh, you know, these tensions rising, famous cowboys like old Bill Hickok, yeah, wild Bill Hickok, rather, they were like, um, you know, known for being criminals, but in reality, they earned most of their money through playing mm-hmm. poker, they were yeah. like, you know, first poker, yeah, pro- pro- professional poker players, yeah, while Bill Hickok was uh, he um. There's a great story I uh, saw in a documentary I watched about poker, which was um, <laughs> he thought he was being cheated by the other person at the table. Like, he'd count yeah. the cards, and he figured, like, now nah, this person's, like, cheating on me. So the guy, like, put his hand down. He's like, I got that. What have you got? So Bill Hickok went into his coat and pulled out his two guns and went, I got a pair of sixes. Blew him away? No, just took Aww. all the money. But Probably blew him away with his swag. Yeah. Well, old Bill, wild Bill Hickok himself was blown away during a card game. Ooh. Yes. Uh, mm. Some person he'd wronged or something came into the saloon and... <laughs> shot him dead. And the hand that he had was aces and eights. A pair of aces, the pair of eights. Ooh. And that is known as the dead man's card. Ah. That is where that comes from. Yes, uh, super interesting. Dead man's hand. But basically, from then on, like, you know, poker kind of, it had a reputation as, like, a outlaw game. Yeah. It's what Wild Bill Hickok and, like, you know, murderers played and, like, yeah. criminals. And, like, you know, in when when it started uh, getting bigger in the, uh, 20, in the 20th century, it was mafia men and, like, mobsters Yeah, it's who always had it a bit stuff. of a link to shady crime yeah, and back, you, back alley poker yeah, games. Yeah, seedy back alley poker games. Because, you know, yeah. like, in a lot of these states, like, betting and gambling was illegal still, so it yeah. would have to be in so back it's alley. all unregulated. Yeah. yeah, massively so. So it had that reputation as a criminal activity, almost. Uh, it, around the 40s and 50s, a group called the Texas Rounders... <laughs> Uh, made up of people such as D- uh, Doyle Brunson, Sailor Roberts. Sailor and, Roberts. Yeah, and this is the best name. Amarillo Slim. <laughs> yeah. No How sick Amarillo is that? Slim. Amarillo Slim. Who was Amarillo Slim? He is a fascinating guy. Like I, I didn't Can we save that much. for another podcast? Yeah, so we could probably have that as a whole. 
he's coming in season three. Amarillo Slim. Amarillo's amazing. But uh, yeah, so they basically bled fucking Texas dry, like just like going through and like playing poker everywhere, high stakes games. And they had to contend with, like, you know, cops, like, were coming and shutting it down and stuff. But also, mm. like, hijackers, like, you know. Yeah. Other, like, criminals would just turn up and be like, right, give us all your money. And because it was, like, illegal, they'd have to be like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, you know, um, Doyle Brownson said in documentaries, like, you know, whenever it happened, and, you know, it did happen, we would just instantly give over all the money because it, like, no, there, it. there'd be no second thought about it. It's not worth yeah. like risking your life over because there's, there's always going to be another game. Where it's a bit like a bit like Fargo, where some guys rob a poker game mm. that the mother putting on. I'm not sure, but there's a really good film about like poker hustling. Uh, what is it? Paul Newman and Robert Redford. The Sting. Maybe. Maybe. I think maybe. it's The Sting. That's got a really good. Well, well some really. While good we're scenes. on it, poker's always had some good scenes in uh, cinema. Absolutely, oh, yeah. hasn't it? Because it's quite iconic that way. Mm. James Bond and yeah, classic for James Bond. And westerns again, you know. Oh, big time! Because it's yeah. a game where like you have to read your opponent, you have to like read their body language, their face, and stuff like that. Well, it's an excellent game for cinema to shoot as well because you can show all tensions and stuff in People's the game. Faces and yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, around like the forties and fifties, there was this guy called Benny Binion. He was basically the Al Capone of Dallas. Okay. You know, he was suspected of like, you know, many like, you know, mob kind of murders yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. He was basically a big gangster. Um, he basically, he had a, he, he was doing like high stakes poker games in Texas with these rounders and stuff. Uh, and then like he had to flee Texas basically because they had a shoot to kill order on him. Ooh. Not, shoot, not shoot to, to arrest, shoot to, if you see Benny Binion shoot him and kill him. This yes. man's done too much hustling. Yeah, so he moved to Vegas and he ba- he was the guy who basically brought poker to Vegas. He he put on that's like, quite a claim. Yeah, he like put on the first like exhibition matches. Basically, he he like when be, was like, this? Sorry, the twenties. No, no, no. This was like the fifties. The fifties. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you know, poker was still seen as like back alley kind of like sort yeah. of stuff, but um. He was like, we'll put it in the casino and we'll make it like a spectator thing. And sure enough, like people would like, you know, he'd have like yeah. a star poker player in his casino all yeah. the time. And people would flock, like, you know, gather around and watch it and like stay and like play a few games themselves and stuff. And it was good for the house. Obviously, there was some concerns mm. about how the house was going to make money off of poker. Yeah. Uh, you know, Illicit ev- ways. well, no, well, eventually they figured out they just take what's known as a rake. Which is basically the house gets five or ten percent or so on the pot, depending on how big the blinds are, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, But basically, there was this uh, famous poker uh, game against Johnny Moss versus Nick the Greek. Okay. Uh, And this was like a big thing that lasted over months. Like played loads of games against each other. Uh, it has the famous line when Johnny Moss finally defeated Nick the Greek. Nick leant over, shook his hand, and said, "Mr. Moss." I'll have to let you go. <laughs> but there's a lot of confusion about this game and whether or not it actually happened. Yeah. So wait, was it That's just the one legendary. game? Or was it a, no, well, it was like a, a series. Final of a series. It, no, it wasn't. This was before like there were big tournaments and stuff. This yeah. was just like a big like. Just a one-off game. No, no, no. Like it was over months. Oh right. Like yeah, they played sorry. like you know they were keeping score about who won how many games and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and of course you know the money. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, there's an author called Steve Fisher who claims that this it never even happened. Oh. But okay. now it is thought to have happened. It just didn't happen how, like, the legend right, said yeah. it. Like, the legend said, like, it was a big public thing and, like, yeah. people were gathered round every single night and watching it and it was, like, a huge thing. Apparently, it was played in private. Apparently, right. it did happen, but it wasn't at the, the Horseshoe, which was Benny Binion's casino. It was at another place called the Flamingo and, like, you know, lots of other things. Yeah. But apparently it did happen. But basically, it's an iconic game, and that inspired like the World Series of Poker, which okay. was like basically the first p- poker tournament. Yeah. And that's when poker tournaments became a big thing, and it was really exciting. And they did televise it a bit, but it was really boring to watch. Yeah. Because uh, they didn't have the technology to show the hands and stuff. But uh, two big things happened in the 80s, late 80s. California legalized flop games. So that meant okay. Texas Hold'em was legal in 1987. And in 1988, Congress passed uh, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, which meant that uh, gambling was basically 
legal on uh, Native American land. Yeah. Which obviously is like a huge thing for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's a huge poker boom, basically, that came out of that. Compounded by what happened in the 90s, of course. Online gambling. Oh, oh, yeah, of course. Big time. Online gambling. People didn't have to go to casinos now to play poker. They could do it sat in their fucking underwear. Yeah. Cheetos covered their butt bellies and stuff. Uh, it was weird in the US because uh, it was legal in some states, but like basically illegal federally. Yeah. And right. like most, like a lot of these gambling sites are based in Australia and uh, the Netherlands, strangely enough. Uh, okay. Apparently, those are, if you are going to, even now, if you are going to go on an online gambling site, uh, listeners, if you're gonna play poker online, uh, try find an Australia one or uh, or one from the Netherlands because apparently they're just the safest. Like okay. in terms of like you're not gonna lose your money. It, yeah. Like lose your money is in like the site's not gonna get shut down by the feds and then all your money's gone. Yeah. yeah. The feds. Yeah, but it's like risky business basically. Obama basically like legalized online gambling though when he was in office. Because you, you really? like this, it, say you're in your Obama voice, well, this needs to be regulated. Oh, you put me on the spot. Now. I, I put you on the spot. Sorry, I should have given you some warning. Yeah, I warmed up the Obama cards. <laughs> well, the Obama well, calls. Nah, see. Well, well, I, I can't, I can't do you're Obama. You're Elvis there. Yeah. Well, well, this, online gambling. <laughs> this needs to be sorted. <laughs> yeah. Man, if Elvis had lived to see online gambling, you know it would have ruined him. <laughs> Anyway, in 1999, the first whole cam was first used on Late Night Poker on Channel oh, 4. Whole cam. Whole cam. That's Jesus. the cameras they use. I know, bad name, right? But it's what they use so you can see the people's hands. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, obviously, like, computer graphics meant that you could have it up on the screen and stuff. And basically, it made poker way less boring to watch on TV. And it made it huge it. on like, TV. You watch it now and it'll come up with a... Like the percentage chance of them winning. Yeah, yeah, you can play by play. Read the game. It's sick. It's really great. It's really great to watch now because all the information you need to know, even if you're a beginner to poker, even if you're new to it, it's all on the screen and it's easy to get into. But anyway, like you know, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, there were new poker tours being started. World Poker Tour, in particular, and mm-hmm. European Poker Tour. The latter of which is. Uh, by Poker Stars, the online gam, yeah. the online poker website. Yeah. Uh, and basically, in the early two thousands, there were these things got on. Uh, well, the beginnings of these things called online satellite qualifier tournaments. Yeah. So basically, for all the big like, uh, you know, major tournaments, they had yeah. satellite competitions where anyone could enter, and if they won. Oh, you get to go to, like, the World Series or whatever. Yeah, basically, it's inspired by like it's a similar thing what they do in golf. Oh, right, yeah. With, like, their tournaments. Uh, and, like, in 2003, this guy called Chris Moneymaker. Ooh, yeah. is that what? his actual name, or is that, like, a suit? So, I, Does he shake I, it? I, I looked at it, <laughs> I looked at his Wikipedia, and it's not his family's actual name, it's his actual name. His family's actual name was something German. Okay. But because the their German name was basically German for one who makes gold, they just <laughs> right. adopted the new name Moneymaker, yeah. So Chris Moneymaker, he won the World Series of Poker in 2003 after qualifying at an online site. He was the first person to ever do so. Yeah. So it's like, you know, a huge sea change for poker, basically. And whereas, you know, 100 years ago, it was seen as like an outlaw game. Yeah. Which rebels and gangsters and cowboys played. Now, it's very much like... You know, the top players are like mathematicians and stuff yeah, like that. It's very nerdy now. It's very nerdy now, but it's very cool and the stakes are, as always, very high. The amount of money that gets thrown around in these games, guys, oh, honestly. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. More money than we've ever had. Oh, and we'll ever have. Terrible. Terrible. Well, thank you very much, yeah, Joe. You're welcome very much. dive into the history there. You went all in. Went all in, indeed. Bidding. And we'll be right back Dying. with uh, another subject just after this. Wait, wait. Jam the ways, jam the days. Woo! Oh, chamber. Gonna record a podcast now. The chamber of the elders. Of the elders. Ooh. 
beautiful. Horrific. <laughs> Thanks for sitting through that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you're still with us. We'll roll a die again. Oh no, oh. you've rolled it under <laughs> the mixing board, oh, no. you maniac. Oh, yeah, it's, it's okay, it's back. It's number one. That's you. Me. I should oh, put my boy. notes down. So, um, Jumping the gun who there, was it Matt. set my subjects? I think it was Matt. Yes. yes. Why? It's just interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. You sent me the British Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah. The BBC. But there's some decent trivia. Oh, yes. Or it was, uh, as it was originally founded, uh, oh. The Beeb. The Beeb. The Beeb. The Auntie Beeb. Yeah. No. Wait, you mean it wasn't always called the BBC? No. And you've forgotten what it was originally called. Yeah, I had it written. You shouldn't have brought that up then if you didn't. Foolish. Oh. Ooh. I'm the editor, so I can edit all this bad. <laughs> what a wanker. Or you could leave it in for yeah. humorous reasons. You know, postmodern podcast. Yeah, where all the nitty gritty is exposed. You know, like how there's like, when artists no, make part of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We the, the, the exhibit. It's if so we was, include our fuck-ups with a Marshall yeah. Duchamp of podcasting. It was originally called uh, the British Broadcasting Company. Oh. oh. Okay, so it was still BBC. How yes. did you forget that? Because it was so similar. <laughs> so I couldn't so, remember the last word. You knew it was BBC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a British uh, public service broadcaster, which means it's owned by the state. Uh, paid for with a TV license. Glorious. And uh, broadcasting uh, out of Broadcasting House in Westminster in London. Oh, yes. Uh, and Manchester as well. They are the largest broadcaster in the world by number of employees. Can okay. I have a guess? Ooh, um, 20,000. 25. Joe's going 20,000. Matt's going 25,000, did yeah. you say? Joey. Oh, I didn't say <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Correct. Uh, is it actually 20,000? Yeah, well, it's 20,950 staff. Ah, oh, sick. Okay. What do I win? Uh, the pride in having known that. Oh, that's a good prize. <laughs> good large organisational estimation. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a quarter of the BBC's revenue comes from uh, BBC Studios Limited, which is BBC Worldwide, which is like the commercial wing yeah, where they actually sell their shows to foreign broadcasters. Yeah, and they own channels like Dave and things like that. The, 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 oh. yeah, Dave. yeah, like not not hundred percent, but they have a share in it and earn yeah. money from advertising that way. Without. I guess that makes sense because all the BBC shows end up on Dave eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it reference. like a retirement village, but more. Well, nowadays they're sort of branching out and making their own stuff a bit, yeah. which is nice to see. Some of it's really good. Yeah. Um, they also own uh, BBC World Service, which is like a radio station available worldwide. Yeah. Um, they, um, oh, I can't remember. Aung San Suu Kyi, is that her name? Who's that? She's a political prisoner in uh, an Asian country of some sort. I imagine so. Uh, but she got herself through prison by listening to the BBC World Service every day. That's yeah. nice. And the hairy, the hairy cornflake, Daily Travis... Jeez. Yeah, Harry he, he, he was what got us through. Uh, well, <laughs> David there, we, Travis. there you go. Yeah. The guy who's, um, oh, his career's gone down, hasn't he? Ever since he stalked his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Do don't do the Beeb also do the shipping forecast? Wait, yeah. Dave Have Lee... you ever tuned into the shipping forecast? The shipping forecast is brilliant. Yeah. I'm getting Dave Lee Travis mixed up with... That other hairy cornflake guy. Oh, um... The other hairy cornflake. The one who used to, like, get the cast of Star Wars back together. And, yeah, like, that guy. Oh, what was his name? Oh, uh, I don't know. He, but Dave Lee Travis, wasn't he a pedo? Yes. 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 That's what I've Confirmed. Heard. Confirmed, yes. Confirmed pedo. Out of Operation Tree. Well, that's the dark side of yes. this topic, isn't it? Oh, my lordy lordy. Well, we, we that? Get Which I wasn't to... really going to bring up, because... Yeah. I think that could maybe... Well, not be a whole topic, but... It'd be a whole topic you know, if we were like a right wing podcast. Yeah, but it back wasn't in the, back in the few decades ago. A lot of abuse was sort of covered up and accepted. Organisation, no, yeah. like BBC. we wouldn't spend like a whole thing on it because it's yeah. like we, you know, it, it, it's not like. Joey, your next topic: Operation U Tree. Okay, just... five <laughs> season three. <laughs> it's no. just there's so many conspiracy theories about it, isn't there as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not delved into them too much. The liberal BBC is hiding the, the paedophile ring. Mm-hmm. In the house it's of the, It's the deep television state. Tony Blair's a lizard. T- Tony Blair is a lizard, but we'll 
But they, uh, yeah. we weren't going to get political jokes. Remember that? We gonna I forgot about that. I don't actually think that. Tony Blair's a lizard either. Just the queen. Just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm sure we've all grown up with loving BBC shows. Yeah, now that we've talked about it, I do like the BBC, and one of the reasons I set it really is because it's like a lot of nostalgia mm. for me. For anyone who's grown up in Britain, I think yeah, like the vast I... majority of the TV you watched growing up was probably BBC. Yeah, pr- definitely. I bet you can remember like certain of the old uh, inter show cards and stuff, you know, like the little animations yeah. they had for BBC One and Two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. fluffy one where he was really cold and then the unzipping yeah. of the tent in the shape of a two. Yeah, I remember that one. Oh, great, the days of BBC Three being on the television. BBC Three no longer on the TV? No. So weird how it's Online isn't. only. I always liked BBC Three you know, as well. But, yeah, but you know, because the kids, they don't watch TV anymore. The kids yeah, well. are all online all the time. So we'll make BBC Three online. Yeah, I can see the executive logic. Yes. Where was it founded, the BBC? Uh, 19... Uh, Dickety. 22. You're right, Dickety. Yeah, 19 Dickety 2. 96 years ago and that was when it was the British Broadcasting Ooh, so Company. in four years we're going to have the 100 yes anniversary of the BBC Ooh, Ooh. I wonder what they'll do something extravagant no doubt bet they'll make a big thing of yeah. it I hope so the BBC is famously impartial as well it has to uh, correspond to uh, consensus news values yeah which often gets it in a bit of hot water when it when people think that it's not being yeah, partial. the way people, I people call them out. The way I see it, it is be, that they get as many complaints from the right as they do from the left. Yeah, Therefore, pretty that's a pretty good do, indicator that they're quite central. Yeah, mm. like the left really hate Laura Kunzberg, don't they? Yeah, and the right really hate um, Fiona Bruce hosting mm-hmm. Question Time. There's, there's lots. Of, yeah, I, I don't really because she's like the... really anti-Corbyn, basically. Yeah, I suppose. But it's like basically the, the issue is like she's the political editor. She's a person who's obviously you know interested in politics. She's gonna <laughs> she's have gonna, an opinion. She's gonna have an opinion. You can't unless you know until you get like AI to be your political editor. Yeah, you're not gonna. It's gonna mathematically weigh up all the words said and make sure that it's fifty percent positive words for this party. And yeah, thing. yeah. You, you know. can't just get like a blank human it, slate. There's a certain element where it's on the reader to recognise their opinion of yeah the any potential bias and and go seek other sources and compare very well put mm. Mm. but yeah the consensus news value is like a, a term where the bbc has to um get interviews from all sides of a debate unless like a large proportion of the country agrees with it one way or the other yeah. then they can just do that so like the london riots for instance you won't have seen any art, any BBC news coverage where they interviewed a rioter. Yeah. Because overwhelmingly the country obviously agrees that rioting is wrong. Yeah, they don't. They don't so, morally really need yeah. to have a rioter. Yeah, so they can. That's that, but again, that puts them in hot water because, like, well, then are you truly impartial because you're not getting mm-hmm. a view from both sides? Yeah. Someone might have a point somewhere. And I wanted to speak a little bit about BBC America as well, which is uh, USA. a growing. USA, uh, yeah, is a growing station in the states. Oh yeah, is it it's sort of its own a... entity? I yeah, think yeah. wasn't Dirk Gently a, Dirk a BBC, BBC America? Orig- Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency. A That's BBC quite America a, original. Quite a good little quirky show. Any other good BBC America originals? Uh, Killing Eve, I think is. Oh, I is think it? that is could be because you know he's got some American stuff. I, n- I never watched it. I know Sandra Oh's in it. One. She's great. I think BBC has a certain degree of pedigree yeah. in its image over in America, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, like they, uh, you I, know... I think sh- worldwide. And worldwide, indeed. But it's nice that the BBC doesn't have to offload like their signature shows like Doctor Who and Sherlock and stuff like that to an American station of some sort. They can do it themselves. It's half-owned. It's yeah. like 50.01% owned by the BBC and then 49.9% owned by AMC, who probably most people know from The Walking Dead. And Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad is that same network. Yeah. Um, but, like, they syndicate CSR Miami. They show Star Trek, like, nearly all of it. And they show cool. The X-Files on BBC America. Big up. Very nice. But, yeah, and it's... Um, and, like, stuff like the Graham Norton show is becoming, like, a staple of Saturday Night Television in, in America. America. It's, like, oh, rivaling the... Not, not directly... But, you know, enough people watch it to where it's become a sort, yeah. sort of touchstone. Well, to be fair, there are, like, over, like, well over, like, a dozen 
American late night talk shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's throw a... Graham Norton in the mix, he, he'd like you know be better than half of them. Surely. I think James just... Corden doesn't count. James Corden. Oh, yeah. I think they. they <laughs> I like knew that trick of Joe. Yeah, I hate him. Definitely, definitely going to set you, James. Corden. If you're listening, James Corden, come on the show. Yeah, come on the show. Defend yourself as yeah. Joe tra- <laughs> mercilessly berates you, which is <laughs> the only thing that'll happen. I like Gavin and Stacey. I like Gavin and Stacey. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. seemingly they love Graham Norton because they allow, they allow the guests to drink like on the on yeah. the set and they do wacky things that don't seem that wacky. You know, at an American show where it sounds he's out of place. Yeah. Where James Conn's be like, right, let's get up and go and do this thing. Do a big dance bit. I don't know why Norton just seems to make it more natural that well, it would happen. Something I love that Norton does that I imagine they find, well... But probably really cool in the states because I don't think any of their shows do it. It's like when 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 he has a guest on, he always offers him a drink, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He always has the drink cabinet thing that he opens up. I think Alan Card did that as well. Is that is he still doing his show? Wait, was it Alan Card did it? Alan Alan Card definitely does do it, right? He does it occasionally. Cracks out the wine and shit every every now and then. What what other BBC shows can we? Because we we could talk about it for hours, couldn't you? I mean, you top, top Gear, and, top gear. Um, like a yeah. worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, massive. One of the biggest sold, shows in the world. Like sold in like nearly all the territories on broadcast on yeah, television. Yeah, is it? Does it have like the record for like being broadcast it in was most at, countries? It was something? at one point the world's most watched entertainment show. Mm. I believe was the title it held. I might be wrong on that, but I yeah. believe that's the title it held for a while. Still uh, going, still going, but obviously, yeah, dwindling. Mm. Doctor Who, of course, another Doctor one of Who. the big boys. Ooh, yeah, which mm. uh, we had as a uh, topic recently. Yes, yeah, not too long ago. Sherlock. Yeah, Sherlock. EastEnders, man. Yeah. Do 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 do. do, do. And then do, the other do, 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 uh, relation with America do, do. that we have is the the remakes of all like the best yeah. BBC shows and ones have been. All the shitty remakes. The Office. Did you know that they, they, oh, yeah, the they did an Ali G show remake? Uh, well, they did Ali G in America. <coughs> Is that what you mean? Uh, no, they did uh, they had the second two series uh, on Channel 4 in the UK. So, yeah, no, no, HBO and Channel 4 teamed up to do, yeah, an Ali G show in America. Yeah, Ali G. It's, it's pretty funny. I think at one point, he, um, who was the interview at one point? He, well, he interviews Donald Trump at one point. Really? Yes, he does, yeah. doesn't he? Uh, cash in the attic. Oh, cash, God, cash. Yeah. cash in the attic, man. See, okay, so daytime TV, daytime BBC, daytime is amazing, BBC. I think. I mean, what else have we got from daytime BBC? I remember being ill, like as a kid, or pretending <laughs> yeah. to be ill, and getting to stay home and just like watch like. Like like BBC, you'd you'd see what it was like past like ten a.m. nine a.m. Yeah, in the morning, it, and it'd be like, oh, what? It, like I get back from school and I'd watch CBBC, which was like you know. Oh yeah, we got to talk about yeah CBBC. the hour or two, or like I watched CITV, which was like the ITV equivalent, and then like you know I'd maybe watch The Simpsons in the evening, and then like a film, and that's it. Being like there for like the daytime and seeing Cash in the Attic and uh, bargain hunt, bargain hunt things like that. Uh, it was Holmes like, under the hammer. It was almost like, like as a child, it was like this is a glimpse into what it's like being an adult. Yeah, was, sell yeah. things all the time. It was like a weird <laughs> glimpse at, at stuff that wasn't really interesting, but because you were almost always like off from school, it, yeah, it, what well, it did seem quite it interesting. almost seemed forbidden. Yeah, to like yeah. cash in the this, attic, this, the, the sick thrill of finally seeing antiques roadshow. <laughs> and being like, doctors. yo, these old people are boring. Doctors, yeah. I was never into doctors. No, uh, me neither. Just waiting for Simpsons to come on at six on Sky One. Yeah. Well, when it used to be on BBC Two, man, that was my introduction yeah. to the Simpsons. When it did the Fresh Prince and Simpsons, and they it, had the w- hour. Wasn't it Fresh Prince, Malcolm in the Middle? No, what Malcolm in the Middle, Fresh Prince, and Simpsons. Yeah, it was yeah, for a yeah. while. It was the big three. That was prime. Big. That was a big hour and a half for me growing up. Yeah. That was huge. You, it's like the sort of golden age of of TV watching in the evenings, isn't it? Like. Late late nineties, early two thousand, BBC Two. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Oh, there's a BBC Four, right? Yeah, BBC TV. Four. They do mainly do uh, high, quite highbrow documentaries. Yeah, like the like, like the radio station is, yeah. is like news and documentaries. That, that's another thing I always touch on uh, in the last few minutes that I've got is that uh, the radio, BBC Radio. Not yeah. enough people give a lot of credit for that. that's all free. You don't have to have an account. You just listen. free worldwide. Yeah. Get on the BBC Sounds app or the iPlayer app. 
That's and cool. I last I listened to a lot of Radio Four. Radio Four comedy is some of the best comedy. Like, yeah, listening to radio comedy is a also joy. one of my favorite radio shows, which you can also uh, get as a podcast in our time. In our time, hosted excellent. by Melvin Bragg. Yes. What's that about? It's basically our show, but it's uh, different academics on every week, and it's just one topic they discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Melvin Bragg's always there, like heading up the discussion. So instead of three topics and we're all talking about shit we barely know, yeah, it's one topic and they all know shit. Yeah, yeah. so it's like the opposite <laughs> of our show, I guess. <laughs> no, no, we're quite informed, right? Yeah. We do our research. We 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 scrape the barrels. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like for you know the BBC's only got three television stations, maybe, but. Uh, well, yeah, not quite... including the news and the stuff. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, mm. BBC World BBC Service, news. BBC S4 Parliament. S4C isn't that, the Welsh one, that's a BBC one. It's on iPlayer, at least. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the radio stations, they've got maybe 50, 60 stations. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Five Live, one X. Five is, like, sports and stuff, Four Extra, it? Five Live, Five Live Extra, the Six BBC Music. Asian Radio. One right. Extra. And yeah. then all the regional stations. Yeah, all the regional stations. What was that noise? Oh, my phone going off. Bad, bad on me. Phone, uh, please. How dare you? It sounded like a foghorn. Gaelic stations, Welsh stations, BBC Scotland, BBC Northern Ireland. Welsh is a crazy language, huh? C, B, uh, CBBC Radio as yeah. well. B, B, CBBC. CBBC Radio? BBC yeah. Two Radio was always on in the drive to school for me growing yeah. up. Terry Wogan. And then on, until and it Steve was right fucking the way back. until it was replaced by Chris was, Moyles. Oh my god, no, yeah. Antichrist! No, it wasn't Chris Moyles. It Chris was Chris Ed. Evans, man. Yeah. Oh Not god, to go, to go from the nice dulcet tones of of um, Terry Wogan, his nice Irish accent waking you up in the morning, to Chris Evans being a complete brat. I hate Chris Evans. Have you seen that new advert for his new radio no, show? No, I don't want to see it's it. It's awful. It's like him and his family all smiling like gits, and then at the end they floss. What? No, they all floss. Why is that? Because cause he's a git. I hate him. I hate Chris Evans and I hate Chris Moyles. But yes, what you said, Steve. Oh, uh, Steve Wright. Steve Wright in, in the, the afternoon. afternoon. Oh, yes. Fact- factoids. Fact- diddly, diddly, diddly. Yeah, factoids. And his Diddy. love song, Sunday he, Love Songs. Yeah, and yeah. Steve he's... Wright in the factoids always had that old woman on. Yeah. She, she, he called her like old woman and she just like <laughs> yeah. read facts. Who was she? Like, what, I, I want her did job. Did she die recently? Did old woman from Steve Wright's factoids die? I think she might have. Yeah. Oh, Steve oh, Wright oh, is a boss though. Have you ever seen the picture of him? Yeah, I've got like, a couple of his books. Yeah, yeah. I, I, heard, I heard his voice for years before I saw a picture of him. And then I saw a picture of him. He's like this proper goofy smile with a moustache. And yeah, I was just like, that's, that's so not what I expect. You look like Steve Wright, but you're rocking it. I love Steve Wright. If you're hearing this, Steve Wright, get in touch. We love <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. Just give us some tips, man. Definitely. Just, yeah, some feedback would be appreciated. Definitely. But yeah, that's all I've really got on the BBC. Just what? Everyone knows what it is. Just thought we'd have a general discussion. Yeah, yeah. It nice, was a good nice, discussion. Nice. And we didn't get too political no, no brushed with it I'm a, I'm a big fan of the BBC we, we did talk about political bias in the BBC for a while but we weren't yeah it was, it was in context you gotta bring it up a bit <laughs> but we'll be right back with the final subject after this hello there we're so happy that you've decided to listen to our podcast today we hope you're having a good time because we sure are so let's keep listening Ole. From the chamber flamenco section. (laughs) Oh my god, that took like all day to record, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of rhythm that was. (laughs) A a funky one. An interesting rhythm. And now for the final subject. Yes, I believe you sent me this, Joe. I'm very excited to discuss this. I'm always very excited to hear everyone discuss the topic. Tell the listeners what it is and why you're excited. So I set Matt to discuss. The Yeti or, or Yetis? Or Yetis? Well, maybe there's more than one. I don't know. I don't know much about the Yeti, which is partly why yeah. I described it. You know I love freaky stuff like this. Yeah, it's from the folklore of Nepal is the idea of the Yeti. And it is, yeah, the Yeti isn't seen as like one particular entity. It, so you're right in saying Yetis. People uh, believe that there's like a few out there. But nobody thinks that there is like one Yeti somewhere in the world. It's not like Bigfoot. Awesome. Really? Great. The, yeah. Um, I intentionally didn't look into it myself because I wanted to hear it from you. Yeah, from the folklore of Nepal, like I said, um, 
I'll say it up front, there's no hard evidence for the existence of the Yeti. No? Aww. No. Just hearsay. Well, that doesn't mean that there isn't still a surprising number of people searching for Yetis, even today. But as of yet, no, there's nothing confirmed. Basically. Seems like a dangerous place to search for anyone in the snow-strewn mountains of Nepal. Yeah, well, that sort of area of the world, you know, like Western Asia and stuff. So, we've, like Nepal, India, Pakistan, uh, Afghanistan and stuff. Really? Well. Pakistan and Afghanistan as well? Yeah, yeah. There's I didn't sort realise of it was so really... widespread. Well, it's generally the Yeti is uh, said to be an ape-like creature taller than the average human that inhabits the Himalayan and Siberian regions of um, East Asia. That's what I meant, not West Asia. Awesome. Um, but the the names Yeti uh, and Mete, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Mete. Mete, that's what's commonly used by the uh, people indigenous to the region. How's that spelled? Like M-E-T-A-H-T-E-H. Oh. It's a part of their history and mythology. Uh, the stories of the Yeti um, became popular in Western culture in like the 19th century, but yeah. they've been around for a long time before that. How long? Um, well, uh, like, is there no records because indigenous peoples? Sort of like pre-19th century. Um, it was it was part of like pre-Buddhist beliefs. The idea of a glacier man. Or, oh wow, really? Yeah, or, or seen as the god of the hunt was the proto Yeti form. Back in like, um, well, a few hundred years ago, my source didn't state an actual date for that sort of thing going on. No, no, I imagine it's probably like a date lost to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's no like sort of specific datings on it yet. Uh, but, well, the name actually Yeti comes from Tibetan words for like, the Tibetan word for bear and the Tibetan word for rocky place combined. I don't really. There's a there's a quite a complex breakdown of the etymology of the word on on Wikipedia, but I don't really know how to pronounce them. Okay, well. But but, but yeah, to summarise, it's like rocky place yeah. and bear. We we had trouble the other day, didn't we? With um, <laughs> the other week with your topic, the the Dyatlov Pass. Dyatlov. Yeah. yeah. So much Russian in there. So much Russian. So let's not try the Nepalese. Yeah. Nepalese or Nepali? Nepalese. I Nepalese. Think. Yeah. Nepalese. You know, the Yetis are also referred to as abominable snowmen, though. Yes. yes. That's sort of a, a westernization thing. Um, it's a good name, though. Yeah. It comes from a journalist uh, in the 1921 interviewing um, people for Chronicles of Everest expeditions and stuff. Interviewed some locals, and they referred to, um, uh, like, something called the, the Metor Kangmi. Metal Kangmi, which sort of refers to the idea of like a, like a, um, wild man of the snow, but it got okay. mistranslated and eventually ended up as like snowman, and then <laughs> the, then the abominable was tacked on later by another journalist, sort of. Uh, it was ja- abominable. Jazzing it, jazzing it up. It's pretty. It's a good word though, abominable. Mm. Yeah. The only person I've ever heard in an interview say that they've seen one. Do you have a guess? Gone. Oh, Brian Blessed. <laughs> really? He claims to have been on a expedition in Nepal in a blizzard, and he saw a group of yeti and screamed over Aah! over the mountains at them. And he screamed back. That, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't that surprise on. me. Yeah, I, I don't, Brian you guys Blessed know... probably was a yeti at one point. Yeah. But you like... guys know I met Brian Blessed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I met Brian Blessed at a dinner once. He he was he was the after dinner speaker, and I had a good chat with him. He was a lovely man. He had a good suit on, but really ratty tatty trainers, and he smelled a bit like we. Brian Blessed, everyone. <laughs> but he was a really just that old old person smell. It might right? have yeah, just yeah. been the old person, but, but like I'm not surprised that he said that he's seen a yeti because he was telling me and my girlfriend at the time that he was the next Briton in line to go into space. And that he'd done all the training, and that like he would he would most likely be going to, into space in the next few years, and this was when he was like you know in his early seventies, and we were like that's nice. You just Brian nodded blessed. along. Yeah. He just nodded well along. Done, Brian. He, and then you'll, you'll be in space one day, Brian. And then he scared my grandma. <laughs> wow. Did he pretend to be a yeti? <laughs> no, it was like during. <laughs> it was like she was like sat at the table, like during his speech. You know, we all sat at the table. Uh, and he was walking around giving his speech, and it was like a really quiet, but a 
and he was like telling a story really quietly. And then he got up to my grandma and grabbed her shoulder and shouted. Wow. And wow. she like shat herself. Did she shout about yeah? She didn't actually did, shit herself. Did it get did it get a laugh? Oh god, the entire thing got a laugh. It, he was like the most entertaining man I've ever been in the presence of. Oh right. But anyway, yeah. Go on about the Yeti. Yetis. Um what was I saying? Yeah, abominable. That was added in later, um, specifically by a man called Henry Newman, a long-time contributor to the Statesman in Calcutta. Um, he interviewed them, the porters of the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition on their return to Darjeeling, and he mistranslated the word meta as um, filthy, which he then substituted the term abominable. Ah. Like, Interesting. Yeah. The filthy snowman. The filthy, filthy snowman. snowman. That sounds like some kind of fetish. G- generally... Whenever you hear sightings of this stuff, it's always bears, and pretty much, in my opinion, it's it's just history yeah. of people seeing bears in loads of weird conditions and like, stuff. Because you know, bears can stand up. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. like bears just standing up on their back legs and go. Yeah. So before I take you through the history of our interactions with yetis, I I think it should be said that, on the record. Yeah, I don't believe in the yeti. I don't believe. But let's get into it. So, okay, in the nineteenth century. Um, we have the first sort of record, reported footprints. You know, Pete, this is one of the biggest things that people say, use when they're hunting for it. Yeah, it's yeah, this idea yeah. of footprints that don't match any known and like animal, Ooh. animal prints and tracks before. But a lot of people say that it's like stuff that's melting. You know, Ooh, or, or yeah. like when when animals can like step on the footprint twice with their once with their foreleg and then yeah. their hind leg and stuff. So there's similar there's explanations always, there's always, for Bigfoot. There's always footprints. illogical explanations for these footprints. But, you know, back in the nineteenth century when you were like an explorer out in the world, you you don't know, like Well that's the thing, back then we were discovering species every single day that people were, thought were unimaginable. Yeah, it yeah, seemed less the, ridiculous to think up oh, until God, a snowman thing. Up until roughly eighteen forty seven, gorillas weren't fully believed to be real. They were treated a bit like yeah. the idea of yetis, like, oh, right, there's these massive, strong, hench ape men in the jungle who will yeah, beat you sure. up. If, you know, that it sounded a Seriously? bit... Seriously? Sort of, really? I didn't well, know well, because, that. That's because really un- until Well, we know gorillas exist because we've seen them, but... Well, I, imagine I imagine some hit. guy who comes back from an expedition and say, we got attacked by this tribe of, like, massive, muscly ape men. That's how you'd describe, like, gorillas, really, wouldn't you? Because they're... Yeah, okay, yeah, no, I, that's really, I never really thought about that. Yeah, it would, because it just would be hearsay and second-hand yeah, sources. But yeah. in the mid-19th century, the fact that gorillas were real did yeah. sort of circulate, you know, and back... I guess the invention of photography really yeah. helped. Yeah, there were a, a few stories. photos were seen, a few of corpses were, were gotten, and people shared photos of them and stuff, so then worldwide... Do you know what the believe. Latin name for gorilla is? No, what? Gorilla, gorilla. Gorilla, gorilla. Oh, damn, son. But I, I bring up the gorillas to say never say never. Yes. With the yetis, even though I don't think there's sufficient evidence yet. <laughs> but yeah, 1832, um, James Princeps' Journal of the Asiatic Society of Bengal published uh, an account by a trekker called B.H. Hodgson, who, mm-hmm. who, in his account of his experiences in northern Nepal, he described when his local guide spotted a tall bipedal creature covered with long dark hair, which seemed to flee in fear. He later concluded it was actually an orangutan. Oh, no. <laughs> the, so, an orangutan. So, See, so, I, an orangutan is like the opposite kind of yeah, it's ape not thing really yeti, to what yeah. I imagine a yeti to be. Yeah. Bad um, move, but, Hodgson. But, but these sort of accounts, even though they may have mostly been bullshit, did circulate yeah. in, in the public imagination. Oh, they would have done, yeah. So going into the uh, 20th century out of the 19th, a few explorers as they got better tech and stuff, and, you know, it was more of a... Like rich person hobby thing, wasn't yeah. it? They were going out for the yeti, oh, yes. thinking they could find the yeti and stuff. And what were they wanting to do? To the frequency yeti? of reports of yetis increased in the early 20th century when Westerners began to make determined attempts to scale many of the mountains in the areas sightings had commonly been seen. Okay. Um, and that's where we start getting some shaky photographs of well, like the famous Loch Ness stuff. Yeah, sort of like that. Um. In the 1950s, though, that's when Western interest in the Yeti peaked dramatically. Uh, while attempting to scale Mount Everest in 51, a man called Eric Shipton took photographs of some large prints in the snow. Um, and these photos have been subject to intense scrutiny and debate. 
And okay, but the, yeah. these photos particularly weren't popular in like America. These and like stuff. the ones that cemented it as a, a, a as thing. like a legend thing. Yeah, I think I may have seen the photos you speak of. Yeah, you probably have. And then um, in 1954, the 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 Daily Mail snowman expedition of 1954. Excellent. Fucking Daily Mail. Uh, the I was on board of Yetis until this. The point. mountaineering leader John Angelo Jackson made the first trek from Everest to Kanchenjunga, I think. Kanchenjunga. In the course of which he photographed symbolic paintings of the Yeti, at a place called Tengboshi Gompa. And he tracked and photographed many footprints in the snow, um, but again, there was no d- damning evidence for this. And then the Daily Mail doubled down on their bullshit, <laughs> print- like print- <laughs> printing an article where they described the expedition teams as having obtained hair specimens from the Yeti. Like, mm. oh, we've, we we went to a monastery and they gave us this hair, and then it got DNA analysed and it's bare. What kind of claim is that ah oh, the yeti exists because we went to oh, monastery maybe, and it gave us hair maybe maybe that <laughs> well i think they're just publishing like travel bullshit to make people think oh but yeah Sell uh, more papers. The, on the on the record daily mail claimed yetis existed on so, the record yeah Duh. so we get and we just thought the daily mail couldn't get any worse we we kept getting accounts of yetis though in the going through the uh, second half of the 20th century and it started to get quite a lot of like efforts from mountaineerings and expeditionists and conservationalists as well who were interested in the area Um, oh like people saying like save the yeti yeah sort of (laughs) like a lot of people like like, hey man like leave the yeti alone man he clearly doesn't want to be found (laughs) he's hiding for a reason bro if I could live like the yeti I would come down off the mountain man that yeti life it's too good Um, but yeah in the 21st (laughs) century um, we still have loads of yeti expeditions going on Really? Yeah. I want to go on To one. tie this in, in the 25th of July 2008, the BBC reported that hairs collected in the remote Garo Hills area of northeast India had been analysed at Oxford Brooks in the Ooh. UK. Yep, the initial tests were inconclusive as to the actual an- oh. <laughs> uh, you know, gene of the animal. That settles it. Ape, the Yeti exists. Ape conservation expert Ian Redmond weighs in, telling the BBC that there is similarity between the cuticle pattern of these hairs and specimens collected by Edmund Hillary during Ooh. Himalayan expeditions in the 1950s that were donated to the Oxford University Museum of Natural History. DNA analysis was uh, planned and announced. The analysis has since revealed that the hair came from the Himalayan goral, which is a goat. Yeah. I'm just, I just, sorry, I, I just love that how, like, Oxford had the hair. I don't know if that's actually a goat. It's and, a bovid. And then Oxford... It's like a bison. But yeah, like, Oxford had it, and then Oxford Brooks took it, and were like, it might be the Yeti. <laughs> and then they were like, no, it's a goat. It's a bison, God damn it, bison o- thing, a yeah. bivod. Yeah, it's, God damn it, Oxford Brooks. Stop embarrassing. Oxford is probably what Oxford would say. Yeah. It's so like people who went to Oxford Brooks, they always say they went to Oxford Brooks. <laughs> yeah. In 2003, a man called Dr. Masoto Nabuka finished his 12-year study onto the origins of the word Yeti and oh, concluded yeah? that it's just... It, this is really simplifying the man's work. I don't want to like be insulting by way, by boiling it down too much, but it's nah, essentially nah, like nah, a that. mistranslation. Nabuka. No, I don't know. I don't know who he is. Or <laughs> yeah, what, no, neither do he, I. If he's Sorry, listening, go on. Essentially, it's like a big mistranslation of bear, and it's like over the years, people like interacting with indigenous people in the Himalayan regions, just misunderstanding them talking about bears and stuff, and right. thinking that there's more to it, and that. This yeah. legend Ooh, the Yeti is great. Yeah, obviously, watch out for bears. You know, yeah, they what? they had their own beliefs around the bears, yeah. so they described them a bit like mystically, and then it all yeah. sort of snowballs, doesn't it? Snowballs. Yeah, in two thousand and ten, a group of Chinese scientists and explorers promised to renew searches in the Shenongija forestry district of the Hubei province Ooh. of China. So people are, you know, in twenty ten, were looking for the Yeti in China. Dope. Actually, putting money into this <laughs> in China. Wait, wait, wait. Was it ever thought to have been in China? Well, the legend just... sort of bled, bled out across Asia. It, it's not just like oh. snowy, sort of snowy, ma- snowy mountains yeah. and stuff. So, it... like, so I'm sorry. Like, Asia has the yeah, North America has Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. 
Why don't we have like a European like big hairy no, man? There's no like great expansive nothingness. Yeah, we get we get yeah. things like the beast of Bobbin Mar and yeah. Mar or whatever it is. That's gonna be some that jaguar topic. that's apparently been wandering around Warwickshire for twenty years. Yeah, we can dogs. That's shit. Though. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> more going on nowadays. Loch Ness. In, well, in the last decade. Loch Ness is good. Loch Ness is good. All right. In the last decade, uh, in a 2011 conference in Russia, participating scientists and enthusiasts declared having 95% of the evidence required for the Yeti's existence. However, this claim was disputed later. An American anthropologist and anatomist named Jeffrey Meldrum, who was present during the Russian expedition, claimed the evidence found was simply made up. (laughs) Wait, you can just make up evidence now? Seemingly, and I was as shocked as you are. Oh, gosh, damn. Yeah. A yeti was reportedly captured in Russia in December 2011. What happened to it? Well, initially, the story claimed that a hunter reported having seen a bear-like creature trying to kill one of his sheep. He fired his gun and the creature ran into a forest on two legs. (gasps) The story then claimed that Border Patrol soldiers captured a hairy two-legged female creature similar to a gorilla that ate meat and vegetation. It was all bullshit. Made up by whom? Uh, whoever was reporting this stuff. I have not looked into this closely because it is bullshit. I just find it humorous to know that these stories got traction, sort of. They still get traction. Yeah, in, in the yeah. wider well, society. Well, I mean, dude, people legitimately think that, like, you know, Tony Blair's a lizard, so. Yeah. But people are going to believe in the, the A. I was thinking of going into, like, breaking down what sort of bears people are thinking they've seen and stuff, but I, I feel like that's... I'm not a zoologist. No. Yeah. And... Sort of, and yeah. You ever? I think everyone can visualise like a bear on its hind legs in yeah. a blizzard would look like a weird humanoid. So is that thing. is that your takeaway from this? Yetis are just bears on their hind legs. For now. For now. And I'm open to the idea of the yeti in theory. But yet but... to be convinced otherwise. Yeah. You're I've got, I've got like... some fun trivia blast yeti yeah, shit no, to no, tie no. this all together. Blast now, now some... that we've established a firm blast base. Blast that trivia out. Blast it. Well, the, the Nepalese and the US governments have indeed regulated yeti hunting. <laughs> you can buy a license to Yeti hunt. Fantastic. They literally decided to make money off the le- Yeti legend. And you, oh, can, you may as well. You pay yes. like $7,000 and you can hunt Yetis. Yeah, legally. Excuse me, sir. Have you got your Yeti hunting license? You've got a look in your eye. You can tell a Yeti. Well, hunter. sorry. Should be clear. When I say Yeti hunting, it's like hunting for the existence of the Yeti. Yeah. You can't kill the Yeti if you find it. That's not allowed. So you're not allowed to hunt for the existence of Yeti unless you spend seven thousand dollars it lets you legally track them like go to measures to track yetis and stuff oh right fair enough that's, if you want to be one funny. of these conspiracy buffs basically like putting cameras out in the wild and i think that's actually quite that's quite amusing I yeah like um and there's fossils been show, found that show that giant prehistoric apes did once in fact exist in asia Ooh. so yeah, Maybe the the, the Gigantopithecus is a genus of massive simians. Massive simians whose fossils have been found throughout China, India, and Vietnam. The in their heyday, they would have been like much bigger than a silverback gorilla, which are nowadays the biggest of the gorillas. How big is w- one of those? Like, uh, well, I don't know about I don't know about a, a, a silverback, but this Gigantopithecus was estimated to weigh one thousand one hundred pounds and would be over nine feet tall. Oh my. God. About three hundred thousand years ago, they they are estimated yeah, I to think have that died qualifies out. as a yeti. Now that's the sort of yeti shit we're talking about. Yeah. They probably, you know, for all what? intents and purposes, yetis did once exist. These what was gig- it called? Gigantopithecus. Gigantopithecus. Yeah. That's a good name too. Mm. It is pretty good, isn't it? I oh yeah. That's no this... gorilla, gorilla. Yeah. No. In in the Cold War, the yeti, the hunt for the yeti was actually a small but genuinely their part of the whole Cold War race between the USA and the Russia. Piss off! 1958 saw American and Soviet teams both embarking on organised hunts for the Yeti. <laughs> it is now an international race for the Yeti, said cryptozoologist Gerald Russell, who led yeah, the U- who okay. led the US campaign. <laughs> cryptozoologist. Anything a cryptozoologist says. Don't take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a whole fucking shaker, man. Oh, I'd love it if Bigfoot and the Yeti existed and it was like the Americans had Bigfoot, yeah. the Russians yeah. have got Yeti. <gasps> who will win? Oh! I smell a movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, who would he cast? Alternate history. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Anyone. Well, Professor Valentin Sapunov of the Russian State Hydrometeorological University... 
in St. Petersburg wow. has officially put forth that uh, they estimate that there's about 200 yetis in Russia residing somewhere that he can't point to. He or she can't point to. That's a bitch. Uh, there how... is somewhere uh, over there. How do you figure that? Or over there. That's a bit rubbish. Um, a collection of yeti footprint snapshots were sold for £5,500 recently. Someone bought these. About five and a half grand. Yeah. Yetis really are supposed cool. to be nocturnal. I don't know oh. what that's based on. But based they, on the fact that they only come out at night, man. That's why no one's seen yeah, that's them. That's why no one's seen it's them, It's yeah. spookier. That's why it's spookier. Yep. Uh, here's one that I do like. Alexander the Great, back in 326 BC, when he was sort of out in that part of the world on his conquering, of heard course. of the legend of the Yeti and wanted to wanted to get one. So oh. apparently Alexander the Great was like on a bit of a Yeti hunting for a while, but he didn't find one. See, that would be a great movie as well. If they found it and it, it went a bit like, yeah. Yeah, Alexander yeah. the Great's greatest defeat is is not being able to find a Yeti. Uh, it's yeah. like the uh, battle with the emus, the Australian army did. Oh, yeah. We had that as a topic, The Yeti didn't we? War. Now it's just that in my Australian outback bit. That yeah. was, wasn't it? That was good, though. But that's that's all I've got on Yetis, really. Well, that was an excellent little dive there. What do you think, Joe? Yes or no? Yes or no on Yetis? Well, you know, I'm... So, here's my deal. You want Yetis to exist? Yeah, and... I'm not gonna ever find out that they don't definitely not exist. What if you so. did? What if you met? What if Joe found a yeti? Yeah. What if we go on our little own elders expedition? If you're a yeti and you're listening to this, just let us know. Elderschambers at gmail dot com. If you can use email. If you can't use email, just like round right on over. Yeah. Yeah. To the to the chamber. We won't try hurt you. We'll we might trap you, but we won't hurt you. <laughs> I don't want to trap a yeti. Well, it's too no, much responsibility. We'll, we'll you wanted to rip your arm off. No, I just wanted to chill. Yeah, no, we'll start a new podcast with the Yeti. The Yeti cast. Yeti yes. cast. Yes. <laughs> Is that what a Yeti sounds like? I don't know. I imagine it'd be like, like kind a, of like ape-like, but like a bear. An ape bear. Halfway between an ape like, and a bear. <laughs> like kind of caveman-y, but more animalistic. <laughs> It wouldn't make any sense is yeah. the reason it couldn't have a podcast. Unless it was like, hey guys. Hey, I'm what's up? Yeah. I no, kept an American guy prisoner for 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up the lingo. He taught me a few words. I've gotten a taste of human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we've gone far and wide on this one. Yes. And please don't uh, go to sleep tonight and have nightmares about yetis and the BBC. Oh, that'd be Ooh. awful. Or poker. We'll be back next week and uh, keep on trucking, Chuck. <laughs> what? Chamber. Chamber, Chamber of the air.